It happens only once every few years. You tune in expecting to hear me and then wonder if my voice has dropped or a set of testicles, perhaps. But listen, this is no run-of-the-mill story and no run-of-the-mill guest reader. When Patrick last read you a story, some of you wrote in calling him the sexiest man alive. And while I can't say whether that's true, I can tell you that nobody does a bird call like it. Thank you very much for that, Patrick, and good evening. It's Thursday the 9th of July, 2009, and it's Miet's Bedtime Story Podcast. Feathers by Raymond Carver This friend of mine from work, Bud, he asked Fran and me to supper. I didn't know his wife, and he didn't know Fran. That made us even. But Bud and I were friends, and I knew there was a little baby at Bud's house. That baby must have been eight months old when Bud asked us to supper. Where'd those eight months go? Hell, where's the time gone since? I remember the day Bud came to work with a box of cigars. He handed them out in the lunchroom. They were drugstore cigars, Dutch masters, but each cigar had a red sticker on it and a wrapper that said, It's a boy! I didn't smoke cigars, but I took one anyway. Take a couple, Bud said. He shook the box. I don't like cigars either. This is her idea. He was talking about his wife, Ola. I'd never met Bud's wife, but once I'd heard her voice over the telephone. It was a Saturday afternoon, and I didn't have anything I wanted to do, so I called Bud to see if he wanted to do anything. This woman picked up the phone and said, Hello? I blanked, and I couldn't remember her name, Bud's wife. Bud had said her name to me any number of times, but it went in one ear and came out the other. Hello, the woman said again. I could hear a TV going. Then the woman said, Who is this? I heard a baby start up. Bud, the woman called. What? I heard Bud say. I still couldn't remember her name, so I hung up. The next day I saw Bud at work, I sure as hell didn't tell him I'd called but I made a point of getting him to mention his wife's name. Ola, he said to me. Ola, I said to myself. Ola. No big deal, Bud said. We were in the lunchroom drinking coffee. Just the four of us. You and your missus and me and Ola. Nothing fancy. Come around seven. She feeds the baby at six. She'll put him down after that and then we'll eat. Our place isn't hard to find, but here's a map. He gave me a sheet of paper with all kinds of lines indicating major and minor roads, lanes, and such, with arrows pointing to the four poles of the compass. A large X marked the location of his house. I said, we're looking forward to it, but Fran wasn't too thrilled. That evening, watching TV, I asked her if we should take anything to Bud's. Like what? Fran said. Did he say to bring something? How should I know? I don't have any idea. She shrugged and gave me this look. She'd heard me before on the subject of Bud, but she didn't know him and she wasn't interested in knowing him. We could take a bottle of wine, she said, but I don't care. Why don't you take some wine? She shook her head. Her long hair swung back and forth over her shoulders. Why do we need other people, she seemed to be saying. We have each other. Come here, I said. She moved a little closer so I could hug her. Fran's a big tall drink of water. She has this blonde hair that hangs down her back. I picked up some of her hair and I sniffed it. I wound my hand in her hair. She let me hug her. I put my face right up in her hair and I hugged her some more. Sometimes when her hair gets in her way, she has to pick it up and push it over her shoulder. 
She gets mad at it. This hair, she says. Nothing but trouble. Fran works in a creamery and has to wear her hair up when she goes to work. She has to wash it every night and take a brush to it when we're sitting in front of the TV. Now and then she threatens to cut it off, but I don't think she'd do that. She knows I like it too much. She knows I'm crazy about it. I tell her I fell in love with her because of her hair. I tell her I might stop loving her if she cut it. Sometimes I call her Swede. She could pass for a Swede. Those times together in the evening, she'd brush her hair and we'd wish out loud for things we didn't have. We wished for a new car. That's one of the things we wished for. And we wished we could spend a couple of weeks in Canada. But one thing we didn't wish for was kids. The reason we didn't have kids was that we didn't want kids. Maybe sometime we said to each other. But right then, we were waiting. We thought we might keep on waiting. Sometimes we went to a movie, other nights we just stayed in and watched TV. Sometimes Fran baked things for me and we'd eat whatever it was, all in one sitting. Maybe they don't drink wine, I said. Take some wine anyway, Fran said. If they don't drink it, we'll drink it. White or red, I said. We'll take something sweet, she said, not paying any attention. But I don't care if we take anything. This is your show. Let's not make a production of it, or else I don't want to go. I can make some raspberry coffee ring, or else some cupcakes. They'll have dessert, I said. You don't invite people to supper without fixing dessert. But they might have rice pudding, or jello, something we don't like, she said. I don't know anything about the woman. How do I know what she'll have? What if she gives us jello? Fran shook her head, and I shrugged. But she was right. Those old cigars he gave you, she said. Take them. Then you and him can go off into the parlor after supper and smoke cigars and drink port wine or whatever those people in movies drink. Okay, we'll just take ourselves, I said. Fran said, we'll take a loaf of my bread. Bud and Ola lived 20 miles or so from town. We'd lived in that town for three years, but damn it, Fran and I hadn't so much as taken a spin in the country. It felt good driving those winding little roads. It was early evening, nice and warm, and we saw pastures and rail fences, milk cows moving slowly toward old barns. We saw red-winged blackbirds on the fences and pigeons circling around haylofts. There were gardens and such, wildflowers in bloom, and the little houses set back from the road. I said, I wish we had a little place out here. It was just another idle thought, another wish that wouldn't amount to anything. Fran didn't answer. She was busy looking at Bud's map. We came to a four-way stop he'd marked. We turned right, like the map said, and drove exactly three and three-tenths miles. On the left side of the road, I saw a field of corn, a mailbox, and a long gravel driveway. At the end of the driveway, back in some trees, stood a house with a front porch. There was a chimney on the house, but it was summer, so of course no smoke rose from the chimney. But I thought it was a pretty picture, and I said so to Fran. It's the sticks out here, she said. I turned into the drive. Corn rose up on both sides of the drive. Corn stood higher than the car. I could hear gravel crunching under the tires. As we got up close to the house, we could see a garden with green things the size of baseballs hanging from the vines. What's that? I said. How should I know? She said. Squash, maybe. I don't have a clue. Hey, Fran, I said. Take it easy. She didn't say anything. She drew in her lower lip and let it go. She turned off the radio as we got closer to the house. A baby swing set stood in the front yard and some toys lay on the porch. I pulled up in front and stopped the car. It was then that we heard this awful squall. There was a baby in the house, right? But this cry was too loud for a baby. 
What's that sound? Fran said. Then something as big as a vulture flapped heavily down from one of the trees and landed just in front of the car. It shook itself. It turned its long neck toward the car, raised its head, and regarded us. God damn it, I said. I sat there with my hands on the wheel and stared at the thing. Can you believe it? Fran said. I never saw a real one before. We both knew it was a peacock, sure, but we didn't say the word out loud. We just watched it. The bird turned its head up in the air and made this harsh cry again. It had fluffed itself out and looked about twice the size it had been when it landed. God damn, I said again. We stayed where we were in the front seat. The bird moved forward a little. Then it turned its head to the side and braced itself. It kept its bright, wild eye right on us. Its tail was raised, and it was like a big fan folding in and out. There was every color in the rainbow shining from that tail. My God, Fran said quietly. She moved her hand over to my knee. God damn, I said. There was nothing else to say. The bird made this strange wailing sound once more. My ah! My ah! It went. If it had been something I was hearing late at night and for the first time, I'd have thought it was somebody dying or something wild and dangerous. The front door opened and Bud came out on the porch. He was buttoning his shirt. His hair was wet. It looked like he'd just come out from the shower. Shut yourself up, Joey, he said to the peacock. He clapped his hands at the bird and the thing moved back a little. That's enough now. That's right. Shut up. You shut up, you old devil. Bud came down the step. He tucked in his shirt and he came over to the car. He was wearing what he always wore to work, blue jeans and a denim shirt. I had on my slacks and a short sleeve sports shirt, my good loafers. When I saw what Bud was wearing, I didn't like it that I was dressed up. Glad you could make it, Bud said, as he came over beside the car. Come on inside. Hey, Bud, I said. Fran and I got out of the car. The peacock stood off a little to one side, dodging its mean-looking head this way and that. We were careful to keep some distance between it and us. Any trouble finding the place? Bud said to me. He hadn't looked at Fran. He was waiting to be introduced. Good directions, I said. Hey, Bud, this is Fran. Fran, Bud. She's got the word on you, Bud. He laughed and they shook hands. Fran was taller than Bud. Bud had to look up. He talks about you, Fran said. She took her hand back. Bud this, Bud that. You're about the only person down there that he talks about. I feel like I know you. She was keeping an eye on the peacock. It had moved over near the porch. This here's my friend, Bud said. He ought to talk about me. Bud said this and he grinned and gave me a little punch on the arm. Fran went on holding her loaf of bread. She didn't know what to do with it. She gave it to Bud. We brought you something. Bud took the loaf. He turned it over and looked at it as if it was the first loaf of bread he'd ever seen. This is real nice of you. He brought the loaf up to his face and sniffed it. Fran baked that bread, I told Bud. Bud nodded. Then he said, let's go inside and meet the wife and mother. He was talking about Ola, sure. Ola was the only mother around. Bud had told me that his own mother was dead and that his dad had pulled out when Bud was a kid. The peacock scuttled ahead of us then hopped onto the porch when Bud opened the door. He was trying to get inside the house. Oh, said Fran, as the peacock pressed itself against her leg. Joey, goddammit, Bud said. He thumped the bird on the top of the head. 
The peacock backed up on the porch and shook itself. The quills in its train rattled as it shook. Bud made as if to kick it, and the peacock backed up some more. Then Bud held the door for us. She lets the goddamn thing in the house. Before long, it'll be wanting to eat at the goddamn table and sleep in the goddamn bed. Fran stopped just inside the door. She looked back at the cornfield. You have a nice place, she said. Bud was still holding the door. Don't they, Jack? You bet, I said. I was surprised to hear her say it. A place like this is not all it's cracked up to be, Bud said, still holding the door. He made a threatening move toward the peacock. Keeps you going. Never a dull moment. Then he said, Step on inside, folks. I said, Hey, Bud, what's that growing there? Them's tomatoes, Bud said. Some farmer I got, Fran said, and shook her head. Bud laughed. We went inside. This plump little woman with her hair done up in a bun was waiting for us in the living room. She had her hands rolled up in her apron. The cheeks of her face were bright red. I thought at first she might be out of breath, or else mad at something. She gave me the once-over, and then her eyes went to Fran. Not unfriendly, just looking. She stared at Fran and continued to blush. Bud said, Ola, this is Fran, and this is my friend Jack. You know all about Jack. Folks, this is Ola. He handed Ola the bread. What's this, she said. Oh, it's homemade bread. Well, thanks. Sit down anywhere. Make yourself at home. Bud, why don't you ask them what they'd like to drink? I've got something on in the stove. Ola said that and went back into the kitchen with the bread. Have a seat, Bud said. Fran and I plunked ourselves down on the sofa. I reached for my cigarettes. Bud said, here's an ashtray. He picked up something heavy from the top of the TV. Use this, he said, and he put the thing down on the coffee table in front of me. It was one of those glass ashtrays made to look like a swan. I lit up and dropped the match into the opening in the swan's back. I watched a little wisp of smoke drift out from the swan. The color TV was going, so we looked at that for a minute. On the screen, stock cars were tearing around the track. The announcer talked in a grave voice, but it was like he was holding back some excitement too. We're still waiting to have an official confirmation, the announcer said. You want to watch this, Bud said. He was still standing. I said I didn't care, and I didn't. Fran shrugged. What difference could it make to her, she seemed to say. The day was shot anyway. There's only about 20 laps left, Bud said. It's close now. There was a big pile up earlier. Knocked out a half a dozen cars. Some drivers got hurt. Levin said, yeah, how bad? Leave it on, I said. Let's watch it. Maybe one of those damn cards will... <laughs> maybe one of those damn cars will explode right in front of us, Fran said. Or else maybe one of them will run into the grandstand and smash the guy selling the crummy hot dogs. She took a strand of hair between her fingers and kept her eyes fixed on the TV. Bud looked at Fran to see if she was kidding. That other business, that pile-up, was something. One thing led to another. Cars, parts of cars, people all over the place. What can I get you? We have ale, and there's a bottle of Old Crow. What are you drinking? I said to Bud. Ale, Bud said. It's good and cold. I'll have an ale, I said. I'll have some of that old crow in a little water, Fran said. In a tall glass, please, with some ice. Thank you, bud. Can do, bud said. He threw another look at the TV and moved off into the kitchen. Fran nudged me and nodded into the direction of the TV. Look on top, she whispered. Do you see what I see? I looked at where she was looking. 
There was a slender red vase into which somebody had stuck a few garden daisies. Next to the vase, on the doily, sat an old plaster of Paris cast of the most crooked, jaggedy teeth in the world. There were no lips to the awful-looking thing, and no jaw either. Just these old plaster teeth packed into something that resembled thick yellow gums. Just then, Ola came back with a can of mixed nuts and a bottle of root beer. She had her apron off now. She put the can of nuts onto the coffee table next to the swan. She said, Help yourselves. Bud's getting your drinks. Ola's face came on red again as she said this. She sat down in an old cane rocking chair and set it in motion. She drank from her root beer and looked at the TV. Bud came back carrying a little wooden tray with Fran's glass of whiskey and water and my bottle of ale. He had a bottle of ale on the tray for himself. You want a glass? He asked me. I shook my head. He tapped me on the knee and turned to Fran. She took her glass from Bud and said, Thanks. Her eyes went to the teeth again. Bud saw where she was looking. The car screamed around the track. I took the ale and gave my attention to the screen. The teeth were none of my business. Them's what Ola's teeth looked like before she had her braces put on, Bud said to Fran. I've got used to them, but I guess they look funny up there. For the life of me, I don't know why she keeps them around. He looked over at Ola. Then he looked at me and winked. He sat down in his lazy boy and crossed one leg over the other. He drank from his ale and gazed at Ola. Ola turned red once more. She was holding her bottle of root beer. She took a drink of it. Then she said, They're to remind me of how much I owe Bud. What was that? Fran said. She was picking through the can of nuts, helping herself to the cashews. Fran stopped what she was doing and looked at Ola. Sorry, but I missed that. Fran stared at the woman and waited for whatever thing it was she'd say next. Ola's face turned red again. I've got lots of things to be thankful for, she said. That's one of the things I'm thankful for. I keep them around to remind me of how much I owe Bud. She drank from her root beer. Then she lowered the bottle and said, You've got pretty teeth, Fran. I noticed that right away. But these teeth of mine, they came in crooked when I was a kid. With her fingernail, she tapped a couple of her front teeth. She said, My folks couldn't afford to fix teeth. These teeth of mine came in any which way. My first husband didn't care what I looked like. No, he didn't. He didn't care about anything except where his next drink was coming from. He had one friend only in the world, and that was his bottle. She shook her head. Then Bud came along and got me out of that mess. After we were together, the first thing Bud said was, We're going to have them teeth fixed. That mold was made right after Bud and I met on the occasion of my second visit to my orthodontist right before the braces went on. Ola's face stayed red. She looked at the picture on the screen. She drank from her root beer and didn't seem to have anything more to say. That orthodontist must have been a whiz, Fran said. She looked back at the horror show teeth on top of the TV. He was great, Ola said. She turned in her chair and said, See? She opened her mouth and showed us her teeth once more. Not a bit shy now. Bud had gone to the TV and picked up the teeth. He walked over to Ola and held them up against Ola's cheek. Before and after, Bud said. Ola reached up and took the mold from Bud. You know something? That orthodontist wanted to keep this. She was holding it in her lap while she talked. I said nothing doing. I pointed out to him they were my teeth, so he took pictures in the mold instead. He told me he was going to put the pictures in a magazine. Bud said, Imagine what kind of magazine that'd be. Not much call for that kind of publication, I don't think, he said. 
and we all laughed. After I got the braces off, I kept putting my hand up to my mouth when I laughed like this, she said. Sometimes I still do it. Habit. One day Bud said, You can stop doing that any time, Ola. You don't have to hide teeth as pretty as that. You have nice teeth now. Ola looked over at Bud. Bud winked at her. She grinned and lowered her eyes. Fran drank from her glass. I took some of my ale. I didn't know what to say to this. Neither did Fran. But I knew Fran would have plenty to say about it later. I said, Ola, I called here once. You answered the phone, but I hung up. I don't know why I hung up. I said that and then sipped my ale. I didn't know why I'd brought it up now. I don't remember, Ola said. When was that? A while back. I don't remember, she said, and shook her head. She fingered the plaster teeth in her lap. She looked at the race and went back to rocking. Fran turned her eyes to me. She drew her lip under, but she didn't say anything. Bud said, Well, what else is new? Have some more nuts, Ola said. Supper will be ready in a little while. There was a cry from a room in the back of the house. Not him, Ola said to Bud and made a face. Old junior boy, Bud said. He leaned back in his chair and we watched the rest of the race. Three or four laps, no sound. Once or twice we heard the baby again. Little fretful cries coming from the room in the back of the house. I don't know, Ola said. She got up from her chair. Everything's about ready for us to sit down. I just have to take up the gravy. But I'd better look in on him first. Why don't you folks go out and sit down at the table? I'll just be a minute. I'd like to see the baby, Fran said. Ola was still holding the teeth. She went over and put them back on the TV. It might upset him just now, she said. He's not used to strangers. Wait and see if I can get him back to sleep. Then you can peek in while he's asleep. She said this and then she went down the hall to a room where she opened a door. She eased in and shut the door behind her. The baby stopped crying. Bud killed the pitcher and went in to sit at the table. Bud and I talked about things at work. Fran listened. Now and then she even asked a question. But I could tell she was bored and maybe feeling put out with Ola not letting her see the baby. She looked around Ola's kitchen. She wrapped a strand of hair around her fingers and checked out Ola's things. Ola came back into the kitchen and said, I changed him and gave him his rubber duck. Maybe he'll let us eat now, but I don't bet on it. She raised a lid and took a pan off the stove. She poured red gravy into a bowl and put the bowl on the table. She took lids off some other pots and looked to see that everything was ready. On the table were baked ham, sweet potatoes, mashed potatoes, lima beans, corn on the cob, salad greens. Fran's loaf of bread was in a prominent place next to the ham. I forgot the napkins, Ola said. You all get started. Who wants what to drink? Bud drinks milk with all his meals. Milk's fine, I said. Water for me, Fran said. But I can get it. I don't want you waiting on me. You have enough to do. She made as if to get up from her chair. Ola said, please, your company, sit still. Let me get it. She was blushing again. We sat with our hands in our laps and waited. I thought about those plaster teeth. Ola came back with the napkins, a big glass of milk for Bud and me, and glass of ice water for Fran. Fran said, Thanks. You're welcome, Ola said. Then she seated herself. Bud cleared his throat. He bowed his head and said a few words of grace. 
He talked in a voice so low I could hardly make out the words. But I got the drift of things. He was thanking the higher power for the food we were about to put away. "'Amen,' Ola said when he'd finished. Bud passed me the platter of ham and helped himself to some more mashed potatoes. We got down to it then. We didn't say much except now and then Bud would say, "'This is real good ham,' or, "'This sweet corn is the best sweet corn I ever ate.' "'This bread is what's special,' Ola said. "'I'll have some more salad, please, Ola,' Fran said, softening up maybe a little. "'Have some more of this.' Bud would say as he passed me the platter of ham, or else a bowl of red gravy. From time to time we heard the baby make its noise. Ola would turn her head to listen. Then, satisfied it was just fussing, she would give her attention back to her food. The baby's out of sorts tonight, Ola said to Bud. I'd still like to see him, Fran said. My sister has a little baby, but she and the baby live in Denver. When will I ever get to Denver? I have a niece I haven't even seen. Fran thought about this for a moment, and then she went back to eating. Ola forked some ham into her mouth. Let's hope he'll drop off to sleep, she said. Bud said, there's a lot more of everything. Have more ham and sweet potatoes, everybody. I can't eat another bite, Fran said. She laid her fork on her plate. It's great, but I can't eat anymore. Save room, Bud said. Ola's made rhubarb pie. Fran said, I guess I could eat a little piece of that, when everybody else is ready. Me too, I said. But I said it to be polite. I'd hated rhubarb pie since I was 13 years old and had gotten sick on it, eating it with strawberry ice cream. We finished what was on our plates. Then we heard that damn peacock again. The thing was on the roof this time. We could hear it over our heads. It made a ticking sound as it walked back and forth on the shingles. Bud shook his head. Joey will knock off in a minute. He'll get tired and turn in pretty soon, Bud said. He sleeps in one of them trees. The bird let go with its cry once more. My It went. Nobody said anything. What was there to say? Then Ola said, He wants in, Bud. Well, he can't come in, Bud said. We got company in case you haven't noticed. These people don't want a goddamn old bird in the house. That dirty bird in your old pair of teeth. What will people think? He shook his head. He laughed. We all laughed. Fran laughed along with the rest of us. He's not dirty, bud, Ola said. What's gotten into you? You like Joey. Since when do you start calling him dirty? Since he shit on the rug that time, bud said. <laughs> Pardon the French, he said to Fran. But I'll tell you. Sometimes I could wring that old bird's neck for him. He's not even worth killing, is he, Ola? Sometimes in the middle of the night he'll bring me out of bed with that cry of his. He's not worth a nickel. Right, Ola? Ola shook her head at Bud's nonsense. She moved a few lima beams around on her plate. How'd you get a peacock in the first place? Fran wanted to know. Ola looked up from her plate. She said, I always dreamed of having me a peacock. Since I was a little girl and found a picture of one in a magazine... I thought it was the most beautiful thing I ever saw. I cut the picture out and put it over my bed. I kept that picture for the longest time. Then when Bud and I got this place, I saw my chance. I said, Bud, I want a peacock. Bud laughed at the idea. I finally asked around, Bud said. I heard tell of an old boy who raised them over in the next county. Birds of paradise, he called them. 
We paid a hundred bucks for that bird of paradise, he said. He smacked his forehead. God almighty, I got me a woman with expensive tastes. He grinned at Ola. But, Ola said, you know that isn't true. Besides everything else, Joey's a good watchdog, she said to Fran. We don't need a watchdog with Joey. He can hear just about anything. If times get tough as they might, I'll put Joey in a pot, Bud said, feathers and all. Bud, that's not funny, Ola said, but she laughed, and we got a good look at her teeth again. The baby started up once more. It was serious crying this time. Ola put down her napkin and got up from the table. Bud said, if it's not one thing, it's another. Bring him on out here, Ola. I'm going to, Ola said, and went to get the baby. The peacock wailed again, and I could feel the hair on the back of my neck. I looked at Fran. She picked up her napkin and then put it down. I looked toward the kitchen window. It was dark outside. The window was raised, and there was a screen in the frame. I thought I heard the bird on the front porch. Fran turned her eyes to look down the hall. She was watching for Ola and the baby. After a time, Ola came back with it. I looked at the baby and drew a breath. Ola sat down at the table with the baby. She held it up under its arms so it could stand on her lap and face us. She looked at Fran and then at me. She wasn't blushing now. She waited for one of us to comment. Ah, said Fran. What is it? Ola said quickly. Nothing, Fran said. I thought I saw something at the window. I thought I saw a bat. We don't have any bats around here, Ola said. Maybe it was a moth, Fran said. It was something. Well, she said, isn't that some baby? Bud was looking at the baby. Then he looked over at Fran. He tipped his chair into its back legs and nodded. He nodded again and said, That's all right, don't worry any. We know he wouldn't win no beauty contest right now. He's no Clark Gable, but give him time. With any luck, you know, he'll grow up to look like his old man. The baby stood in Ola's lap, looking around the table at us. Ola had moved her hands down to its middle so that the baby could rock back and forth on its fat legs. Bar none, it was the ugliest baby I'd ever seen. It was so ugly, I couldn't say anything. No words would come out of my mouth. I don't mean it was diseased or disfigured. Nothing like that. It was just ugly. It had a big red face, pop eyes, a broad forehead, and these fat, big lips. It had no neck to speak of, and it had three or four fat chins. Its chins rolled right up under its ears, and its ears stuck out from its bald head. Fat hung over its wrists. Its arms and fingers were fat. Even calling it ugly does it credit. The ugly baby made its noise and jumped up and down in its mother's lap. Then it stopped jumping. It leaned forward and tried to reach its fat hand into Ola's plate. I've seen babies. When I was growing up, my two sisters had a total of six babies. I was around babies a lot when I was a kid. I've seen babies in stores and so on. But this baby beat anything. Fran stared at it, too. I guess she didn't know what to say either. He's a big fellow, isn't he? I said. Bud said. He'll by God be turning out for football before long. He sure as hell won't go without meals around this house. As if to make sure of this, Ola plunged her fork into some sweet potatoes and brought the fork up to the baby's mouth. He's my baby, isn't he? She said to the fat thing, ignoring us. The baby leaned forward and opened up for the sweet potatoes. 
It reached for Ola's fork as she guided the sweet potatoes into its mouth, then clamped down. The baby chewed the stuff and rocked some more on Ola's lap. It was so pop-eyed it looked like it was plugged into something. Fran said, He's some baby, Ola. The baby's face screwed up. It began to fuss all over again. Let Joey in, Ola said to Bud. Bud let the legs of his chair come down to the floor. I think we should at least ask these people if they mind, Bud said. Ola looked to Fran and then she looked at me. Her face had gone red again. The baby kept prancing in her lap, squirming to get down. We're friends here, I said. Do whatever you want. Bud said, Maybe they don't want a big old bird like Joey in the house. Did you ever think of that, Ola? Do you folks mind? Ola said to us. If Joey comes inside, things got headed in the wrong direction with that bird tonight. The baby, too, I think. He's used to having Joey around and come in and fool around with him a little before his bedtime. Neither of them can settle down tonight. Don't ask us, Fran said. I don't mind if he comes in. I've never been up close to one before, but I don't mind. She looked at me. I suppose I could tell she wanted me to say something. Hell no, I said. Let him in. I picked up my glass and finished the milk. Bud got up from his chair. He went to the front door and opened it. He flicked on the yard lights. What's your baby's name? Fran wanted to know. Harold, Ola said. She gave Harold some more sweet potatoes from her plate. He's real smart, sharp as a tack. Always knows what you're going to say to him, don't you, Harold? You wait until you get your own baby, Fran. You'll see. Fran just looked at her. I heard the front door open and then close. He's smart, all right, Bud said as he came back into the kitchen. He takes after Ola's dad. Now there was one smart old boy for you. I looked behind Bud and could see that peacock hanging back in the living room, turning its head this way and that, like you'd turn a hand mirror. It shook itself, and the sound was like a deck of cards being shuffled in the other room. It moved forward a step, then another step. Can I hold the baby? Fran said. She said it like it would be a favor if Ola would let her. Ola handed the baby across the table to her. Fran tried to get the baby settled in her lap, but the baby began to squirm and make its noise. Harold, Fran said. Ola watched Fran with the baby. She said, When Harold's grandpa was 16 years old, he set out to read the encyclopedia from A to Z. He did it, too. He finished when he was 20, just before he met my mama. Where's he now? I asked. What's he do? I wanted to know what would become of a man who'd set himself to a goal like that. He's dead, Ola said. She was watching Fran, who by now had the baby down on its back across her knees. Fran chucked the baby under one of its chins. She started talk baby talk to it. He worked in the woods, Bud said. Loggers dropped a tree on him. Mama got some insurance money, Ola said, but she spent that. Bud sends her something every month. Not much, Bud said. Don't have much ourselves, but she's Ola's mother. By this time, the peacock had gathered its courage and was beginning to move slowly with little swaying and jerking motions into the kitchen. Its head was erect, but at an angle. Its red eyes fixed on us. Its crest, a little sprig of feathers, stood a few inches over its head. Plumes rose from its tail. The bird stopped a few feet from the table and looked us over. They don't call them birds of paradise for nothing, Bud said. Fran didn't look up. She was giving all her attention to the baby. 
She began to patty cake with it, which pleased the baby somewhat. I mean, at least the thing had stopped fussing. She brought it up to her neck and whispered something into its ear. Now, she said, don't tell anyone what I said. The baby stared at her with its pop eyes. Then it reached and got itself a baby handful of Fran's blonde hair. The peacock stepped closer to the table. None of us said anything. We just sat still. Baby Harold saw the bird. It let go of Fran's hair and stood up on her lap. It pointed its fat fingers at the bird. It jumped up and down and made noises. The peacock walked quickly around the table and went for the baby. It ran its long neck across the baby's legs. It pushed its beak under the baby's pajama top and shook its stiff head back and forth. The baby laughed and kicked its feet. Scooting onto its back, the baby worked its way over to Fran's knees and down onto the floor. The peacock kept pushing against the baby as if it was a game they were playing. Fran held the baby against her legs while the baby strained forward. I just don't believe this, she said. That peacock is crazy, that's what, Bud said. Damn bird doesn't know it's a bird. That's its major trouble. Ola grinned and showed her teeth again. She looked over at Bud. Bud pushed his chair away from the table and nodded. It was an ugly baby, but for all I know, I guess it didn't matter that much to Bud and Ola. Or if it did, maybe they simply thought, so okay, if it's ugly, it's our baby. This is just a stage. Pretty soon there'll be another stage. There's this stage and there's that stage. Things will be okay in the long run, once all the stages have gone through. They might have thought something like that. Bud picked up the baby and swung him over his head until Harold shrieked. The peacock ruffled its feathers and watched. Fran shook her head again. She smoothed out her dress where the baby had been. Ola picked up her fork and was working at some lima beans on her plate. Bud shifted the baby onto his hip and said, There's pie and coffee yet. That evening at Bud and Ola's was special. I knew it was special. That evening I felt good about almost everything in my life. I couldn't wait to be alone with Fran to talk to her about what I was feeling. I made a wish that evening. Sitting there at the table, I closed my eyes for a minute and thought hard. What I wished for was that I'd never forget or otherwise let go of that evening. That's one wish of mine that came true. And it was bad luck for me that it did. But of course, I couldn't know that then. What are you thinking about, Jack? Bud said to me. I'm just thinking, I said. And I grinned at him. A penny, Ola said. I just grinned some more and shook my head. After we got home from Bud and Ola's that night and we were under the covers, Fran said, Honey, fill me up with your seed. And when she said that, I heard her all the way down to my toes and I hollered and I let go. Later, after things had changed for us and the kid had come along, all of that, Fran would look back on that evening at Bud's place as the beginning of the change. But she's wrong. The change came later, and when it came, it was like something that had happened to other people, not something that could have happened to us. God damn those people and their ugly baby, Fran will say, for no apparent reason, while we're watching TV late at night. And that smelly bird, she'll say. Christ, who needs it? Fran will say. She says this kind of stuff a lot, even though she hasn't seen Bud and Ola for some time. Fran doesn't work at the creamery anymore. And she cut her hair a long time ago. She's gotten fat on me, too. We don't talk about it. 
What's to say? I still see Bud at the plant. We work together and we open our lunch pails together. If I ask, he tells me about Ola and Harold. Joey's out of the picture. He flew into his tree one night and that was it for him. He didn't come down. Old age, maybe, Bud says. Then the owls took over. Bud shrugs. He eats his sandwich and says Harold's going to be a linebacker someday. You ought to see that kid, Bud says. I nod. We're still friends. That hasn't changed any. But I've gotten careful what I say to him. And I know he feels that and wishes it could be different. I wish it could be too. Once in a blue moon, he asks about my family. When he does, I tell him everybody's fine. Everybody's fine, I say. I close the lunch pail and take out my cigarettes. Bud nods and sips his coffee. The truth is, my kid has a conniving streak in him. But I don't talk about it. Not even with his mother. Especially her. She and I talk less and less as it is. Mostly it's just the TV. But I remember that night. I recall the way the peacock picked up its gray feet and inched around the table. And then my old friend and his wife saying goodnight to us on the porch. Ola giving Fran some peacock feathers to take home. I remember all of us shaking hands, hugging each other, saying things. In the car, Fran sat close to me as we drove away. She kept her hand on my leg. We drove home like that from my friend's house. <laughs>